welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard and their various entertainment properties with great and avowed interest, like avid predators waiting, always waiting for tasty morsels. That's us. We're kind of creepy now that I think about it. Anyway, hi, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host, and with me to speak are two absolutely fantastic. Literally, they have cosmic ray powers. They, they've been to space. They've been hippocosmic. They're that fantastic. They're, just, they're also amazing, so they might have spiders. In it. We don't know what's going on. Uh, first up, she does practically everything. She writes lore articles. She does role-playing articles. She does pretty much everything we could possibly ask her to do, and then some. She just gives 110%. Uh, Ann Stickney, Ann, what have you been up to this week? Well, I haven't been to space. <laughs> oh, you space haven't been there with me. <laughs> I haven't. Been, I don't know. I I have no idea. Somebody I'm sure you've else. Been to space Mountain, though, right? Um, I actually space. Fun fact: I have been to Disneyland a lot. I used to have an annual pass and went to Disneyland all the time. Never made it to Space Mountain. Hmm, that's unfortunate. At the point that I was going, the majority of the time that I was going, when I had that annual pass, they had closed it that they were like renovating it or something and then when they reopened it we just the lines were so big that we never got into it so there are two rides that i've never been on in disneyland space mountain is one of them and then peter pan for some reason peter pan always had like this amazingly long line i don't know why that's unfortunate but uh, have you ever to other than space huh what have you been up to other than space um mostly well let's see Finished off Mass Effect Andromeda. Enjoyed that. Uh, World of Warcraft, just been working on achievements. Like, I've been knocking out the achievements that I've been missing. Um, And I'm at that point, I guess, in the expansion where I'm waiting for them to come out with something new for me to do. Because I hit Exalted with Armies of Legion Fall. So all I have to do, really, is wait for the weekly quest that you get. And Mm -hmm. then just kind of twiddle my thumbs. So This week's weekly quest was not that great. I haven't seen it yet, so I need to actually go check that out. I literally can't spoil it for you because it is just go find chests. Oh, no. Yes, it is just go find chests. It was not good. Who wrote See, I, these? I, <laughs> I, I got back into WoW really heavily like two weeks ago. Which yeah. I've been playing a lot. I'm already up to like halfway through Revered with those maniacs. Um, working. I, I've got my item level up. I got those shoulders like I told you about. And uh, I've, I, I feel like on the one hand, I really like the assaults. Now that I've gotten a rhythm for them, and I really enjoy how that play works. Yeah. But I'm feeling like the Broken Shore is too, it's like fragmented. It's literally like the Broken Shore is the objective correlative of the smashed up place that it is. It's... In that the quest flow is strange. Uh, Cadgar, my wife loves Cadgar. She's totally on board with everything Cadgar says, and he's he's pushing my last nerve. I am. I guess mm. at this point it feels like... You know, they were like, we need to go to the Broken Shore and make this last stand and do all this. And there's supposed to be like this air of desperation or something. You would you would think like some kind of foreboding or some kind of at least people taking this seriously. But I don't think I've had Cadgar say much of anything to me that really was very serious. Yeah, Cadgar's dad jokes have reached critical mass. I think I'm going to introduce Alex now so that if we're going to complain about the Broken Shore, he can get in on this. Oh, my so gosh, yeah. We didn't, I we do didn't want do in that. on that so bad. <laughs> uh, next, here's with us. He's editor-in-chief of the site, and he, you know, he's great. He has fantastic powers. You will never see his, like, he uh, Alex Ebart. I was going to say, I, I have been to space recently with someone claiming to be Anne. So if you weren't there, I'm mildly concerned. Mildly concerned. The unnamed essence of the void. It just decided to take my corporeal form for some reason. 
Because Maybe. it granted me superpowers. So whoever that was, I'm sure I can defeat them well, in eternal combat. Well, I can't grant you superpowers. I mean, I don't even have them myself. And I had LASIK twice, so... Well, I got them yeah. from going to space. <laughs> um, you should have gotten lasers in space. Alex, you wanted to, we, we wanted to let you complain about the Broken Shore, so... Yeah, they said, like, oh, the Broken Shore, it's our last day, and it's going to be super dark and serious, and we're all going to get the band back together and be awesome. And you get there, and, like, Cadgar's cracking jokes... Nothing on the island is particularly menacing. The war camp looks like garbage. Nobody took this seriously. Nobody <laughs> believes this is the last stand. We just showed up, like because we were, we had to. See, I don't. I, I don't do like the dungeon. I like Cathedral of Eternal Night. I think it's beautifully done, and I love the dungeon. I think it's great. I will say that one thing I like is the the plate um, gear you can get, like the the appearances of it. They they the. I just love that set. I love it. I have put that set together. I am wearing it constantly on my warrior. It is my favorite set. It's it's. I like that set better than the actual set you get in the raid. Like it looks better to me, and I like it more. Um, I do think some of the quests are good. Um, the the quest where you're like looking for treasure, though, like any quest that's just finding treasure. I'm like, sorry, no, dude. We should be focusing on demons. Your quest should be about killing demons or stopping demons in some way, not. Hey, there's a neat doodad in that crypt. No, not unless that neat doodad blows up demons real good. So I don't like that. I think, I think the one that annoyed me the most was the one where Cadgar sent us to get however many nether shards. Mm-hmm. And you get the, all the nether shards, you take them back to him, and he's like, oh, never mind, I only needed one. I get that it's a callback to his Apexus crystal right, thing. Right, but there was no follow-up to it. It's like, well, yeah. what did you need the nether shard for? I mean, now you, I, obviously you only needed one, but what for? What are you doing yeah. with it? Give us something, Cadgar. Jeez. <laughs> they, they have. They felt. It's felt to me like the story here. There was one really good story element part that if you were horde, you didn't even get. So if you were horde, you didn't even get to see this part. Um, I. It's an Anduin. It's about Anduin. So if you if you were worried about spoilers, it's about Anduin. You've probably seen the cinematic already. The Anduin bit it, was phenomenal. But it's In- not part of the story no it's, it's like, just an extra alliance thing that's yeah, out there yeah. which is cool but at the same time I want, it's like i wanted these to be unlocking story moments i didn't want them to be go get 10 chests or go get like you know like alex a, you a sound key. like you were trying to say something yeah. were you trying to <laughs> many say? times uh, the first thing you do in a game or a zone in a game or whatever like the first thing you do should set the tone for that area for that game whatever the first thing I ended up doing when I got to the Broken Shore, just because this is what I stumbled upon first, is Cadgar turned me into a neon cat so I could get coins for his girlfriend. <laughs> this is not what I came to the Broken Shore to do, Cadgar. It, it doesn't fit the, cinema, the, the scenario at all. The scenario is actually hectic and kind of it, it's actually very foreboding if you do the scenario when you first come in they have that whole bit with the cinematic where they show the legion blowing stuff up and everyone's like oh god legion and then you go out and you do you fight all these demons and do stuff and it it actually feels like everything you're talking about it feels like a last stand it feels like a, a big dramatic moment then you get done with that scenario and then the place never really feels like that again yeah you finish that and cadgar turns you into nyan cat yeah, well, he never turned me into an yeah, but okay. I feel like I do need to point out, though, two things. Number one, like I said before, Cathedral of Eternal Night, love that dungeon, think it's fantastic. It, it is it, fantastic. It's beautifully done. Number two, the, the Legion invasions that happen across the zones, 
I still like those because oh, it I takes the things. whole do four world quest for the emissary thing and actually turns it into something that's a little more exciting. And I love how you go into the scenario at the end and there's like two other people there with you and then you kill whatever it is and then it's like, oh, quick, get on the dragon and fly out of here. Or in some cases, like in Valshara, it's jump, jump off, off the ship and somebody will catch you if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this. There's one quest you can get when you're doing the High Mountain one. And it's also, this happens again if you're doing certain quests on the Broken Shore, where literally what happens is you fly to the area where the quest is, and Lahan Skyhorn appears in a little box on your screen, and this is what he says. Attack! And that's it. That is the setup to the quest. That is him telling you what to do. He just yells, Attack! And then after you kill all the demons there, he just goes, Ha 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 That's it. I love that. It was great. That is my favorite. I am totally down with the with the assaults. I think they are great. Um, I'm still doing them. Every time one's up, I go for, I farm it. One of the reasons I'm doing it is for transmog gear because the end boss has a chance to drop one of the transmog pieces. I just got the biggest, most ridiculous shield you've ever seen. This shield makes the bulwark of Azanoth look sensible. It's just gigantic and goofy, Good. and I love it. Discreet, that stuff's great. Discreet lol in the chat channel. I feel like we have to point this out. Discreet lol in the chat channel says the story of the patch is literally class related. Ian already said it. The class mounts actually have good quest lines. Okay, well I'm not going to argue that. What I am going to say is how long do we have to wait before we get the good quest lines? And yeah, why do we have to wait time. that long to get the good quest lines? Shouldn't they all be good? Yeah, and the unlocking of the of the t- I understand the unlocking of the Tomb of Sargeras is taking a while. I understand that you have to progress to a certain degree. Like I have flying now though, and I I do feel like it is time to start giving me the good quest lines. Is all I'm going to say. Yeah, just, but I, there is stuff I like. There is stuff I like in this. Alex, in this what were you patch. saying? The jokey nature of the Broken Shore just doesn't jive with me. Like it's the whole expansion has been a build up to getting back to the Broken Shore and getting there, and it's a big bundle of jokes is just i'm not buying it it does not hold my interest that's not what the broken shore it has its good points it's just that i don't know if the good points outweigh the rest of it right now i think honestly, once that class stuff comes out i may change my mind and go oh, this is the most amazing place i've ever been but i'm gonna just say present this because time it doesn't feel that good i'm gonna i really feel like the, the problem here is that they did suramar and then yeah. if you went through Suramar and did the whole insurrection storyline beginning to end, um, I'm I'm one of the rare people that feels like insurrection went too long. Like by there's a point in insurrection where I start begging it to end, and it's about ten quests before it actually ends. Uh, and a lot of those quests are just filler quests. But nevertheless, for the most part, insurrection unfolds in a regular. Um, Perf- almost perfect way like where where every quest feeds into the story they don't feel there's only one like when, when it starts just sending you back to places you've been to to set up a dampener to screw up the magical field that's when i was like no no this is dumb just let me get to the fight no i but actually liked all of it i liked I all of that i didn't but i get that most people did but nevertheless i feel like it, it's a huge even if you don't like parts of it, it overall it's a massive success it it maintained a tone it never feels like a joke there are lighthearted moments but they're lighthearted moments from oculeth who is kind of crazy and when oculeth says something you're never sure if that's a joke or if oculeth is just that messed up and, you know what i mean like, yeah like and, it's it's in character it means yeah. something it's and not just the other characters joke. yeah and humor from the other characters like 
Beltois was kind of funny, and she was funny in her way, in like her subtle kind of way, which was very different than WoW's usual wackadoo over the top humor, like you get with Cadgar. With Valtois, you didn't know if she was making fun of you or not. Like sometimes right. you did know, in fact, she was making fun of you, but usually it was like, is that a dig at me or is she just being catty? It was uh, a and... super in character way to do it. That yeah, wasn't over the top. Occur- it occurs to me that we've been talking about this for like the past 15 minutes or so, and maybe we want to get to the news. <laughs> well, all right. Um, we're we, still we doing must. the intro to the show, and we're stuck on the broken shore, guys. <laughs> Much like the game. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, as is usually the case, if you have an email for us, then we're not going to talk about that yet because it's top stories. Ha ha, I got thrown off. Um, you know, top stories. Um, <laughs> I'm going to mention this one because it's a pretty big deal. Uh, Christy Golden tweeted yesterday that she is working at blizzard uh she didn't tweet what she's doing we don't know what her job there is yet she's not allowed to say yet she got hired there to do something she just can't say what it is yet um i don't know what it is yet but um this is the person who has written some of the best warcraft fiction out there so um if she's going to be working on any sort of creative development there that's a good thing Maybe uh, we'll get consistent characterization for anybody in World of Warcraft ever. I mean, you know, uh, speculating here, and I don't, I'd like to hear Anne speculate on it too. Um, one job that comes to mind as one that was recently vacated was senior VP of, you know, creative development. Um, that's with Chris Metzen gone. I can think of, I can't think of anybody that I wouldn't, yeah, she's like a perfect choice to fill in some of that role. So I don't know what you think, what they might, she might be hiring to do, but. It's possible. I'm leaning more towards, and this is just me, based on what we've heard recently, Blizzard just opened their own publishing house. Like, they have their own now. They are reprinting all of these old books and everything, and they have their own department to do all of this stuff. Like, they're even reprinting the old Tokyo Pop manga and stuff. So I'm wondering if it has something to do with that, because, you know, Christy is... She's a phenomenal author, phenomenal writer. She's done the World of Warcraft books. She's also done a bunch of Star Wars. And if you haven't read any of her Star Wars books, oh, you should go do that. Um, But she's also, because she's written this many books, she's really familiar with the publishing industry, I'm sure. So I'm wondering if it has something to do with that. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all if she ends up on the publishing side of things, which is why people are kind of going crazy about this news. Like, oh, this is the biggest surprise ever. But it's like, well, Christy, most of her work is licensed published novels for various games or or just, it's licensed work. So her ending up in a company that she has done licensed work for overseeing or participating in getting licensed work done, that's not a leap to me. That seems pretty natural. It seems like yeah, a we... really logical kind of fit. And the thing is, is like, out of all of the authors that they've... I think Christy was the one who wrote the first book for them. Like, she did Lord of the Glands way back when. Um, the only book that predates that one is the one that Metzen wrote um, for Blood and Honor. So, did, um, Christy's been doing this for a Lord very... of the Clans predates Cycle of Hatred? Yes. Okay. Um, it's This has been going... She's been writing for them for a very, very, very long time. So, it's not... It's not illogical by any stretch of the imagination to even assume that she would have something to do with creative development as well. Maybe they brought her in for that kind of thing because she knows the universe like the back of her hand. She's been writing it. She's been writing it right alongside Medicine, only she's just been doing it with the novels and 
he's been coming up with the universe. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. But like I said, since they did just come out with that whole announcement thing where they were opening their own, uh, you know, publishing house within Blizzard and they were reprinting these books as the Blizzard Legends and things like that, that maybe it has something to do with that. We won't know until she can say, she can't say right now. Yeah. They allowed her to say that she was going to be coming to work at Blizzard, but they didn't, she's not allowed to say in what capacity as of yet. And I'm sure as soon as she's allowed to say it, she will tell us on Twitter and we will all rejoice because really, I don't know why they didn't hire her before now. She's been working for them for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's also true that other people that used to work there, for instance, Mickey Nielsen doesn't work there anymore. And he used to do a job very similar to what you're talking about. He used to help manage their uh, their you know, Story online publication. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of places where they might have put her and that she'd do a great job for. So that's, you know, but it's it's good news regardless. It's a good hire on their part, in my opinion. Unrelated to that, however, um, Heroes of the Storm is going to be getting Battlefield rotations. Uh, and I don't understand what that means, but I've been playing a little Heroes now, so I'm going to throw it over to Alex because I'm sure he does understand it. I mean, they've been in since Heroes 2.0. They just kind of explained it a little more. Basically, Heroes of the Storm has a total of 13 maps now, and the idea is if you're new, learning 13 maps is kind of overwhelming. Even if you're not new, you know, with that many maps, do you need 13 maps? Could it be more exciting if, you know, the old favorite went away and you got a little break from it for a while then it came back and now it's exciting to play it again, that kind of thing. Um, initially, they went down to six maps in the rotation, which was kind of boring. Uh, I'll say that much. I am I was in favor and I'm still in favor of the map rotation. Uh, six maps was not enough. That got tedious. They've bumped it up to nine. So, so far, the plan is three times per competitive season they're going to rotate the maps. So some will go away, some will come back, then the ones that went away will come back later, and so on. So it's not at all like if you're in, into World of Warcraft and they have like a battlefield thing where they highlight one. It's nothing like that. It's more like other... Opponents. No, it's it's like if you could only play Warsong Gulch, Arathi Basin, and Ultrak Valley this month, but next month you could play... I have the Storm. Other one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, it's, that's... I don't know... I've been playing Heroes more because they gave me, like, 20-something characters to play. Yeah. So I try and play more now. I'm still terrible. Like, you guys remember from the leveling stream when we did it. I, I, I'm i I'm very That's bad. Fine. You, you but, and me both. So, but, right there with uh, you, buddy. <laughs> one, of the things I, one of the things that happened is now I have, like, Artanis and Alarak. Because they're yep. the mega bundle I got has those guys in it. So now I can wander around playing Artanis or Probius or Alarak. And, and basically... Um, I also got free skins. Like for instance, I got Sonya's Sonya the Barbarian from Diablo Three. I got her um, the Wrath skin, not Wrath of Lich King, the, like literally the warrior set Wrath with an Ashkandi yeah. and a Quell Sarar in her hands. Yep. So I've been playing it because of that, and I had no idea what was going on with, with in terms of the the maps. I still don't, because as you pointed out, there's 13 of them. Yeah. And, you know, I all I know is pick a lane, run down it. So anything that would make it a little easier for me to figure out what I'm doing, that would that's welcome in my opinion. Yeah, they just reduce the pool. I mean, the danger of it is, of course, you know, if you're a person who has one specific favorite map and it's not in a particular rotation, you may not play on it for months. And that sucks. But, you know, every map someone hates, someone else loves. And that's kind of the difficulty of the rotation, that if the one you hate is out, you feel good. But if that's your favorite, you feel really bad. So yeah. here's my question. 
um because i'm not i'm not super familiar with heroes of the storm right can you do custom games in heroes of the storm can you like invite a bunch of people and do if you yeah you can invite like people you know to a custom okay can you use maps that are not in the normal rotation when you're creating a custom game is it just are they just disabled in like quick matches or whatever yeah it's disabled in like quick match in ranked play and anything you queue up for um the the oddity that has arisen from this is the maps in the rotation are not necessarily the same maps they use in HGC for pro play. So pro players who want to practice on maps in HGC can't do it just by queuing up and playing the game anymore. They specifically have to prearrange like scrimmage matches with other teams. They can do custom matches on the HGC maps. That's wow. Really weird. Okay, that's weird. That seems yeah, like shooting yourself means... in the foot as far as the esports goes. And and it also means, you know, people who might be interested in pro play and have been playing Heroes of the Storm but have never watched it before, if they started playing now and their only experiences with the maps in the map rotation and they tune in to watch a pro match, they might not recognize the map that people are playing on. Where are these pirates coming from? Right. Why are there pirates involved in this? Why why is there a boat? I don't get it. Yeah. All right. The next one I wanted to talk about purely because it's me. And it's not that big a deal. It's not really tremendous news. But there was a, a bunch of hotfixes yesterday. Most of them are relatively unimportant. But this one grabbed my attention. If you play a warrior, you've probably leapt down from the warrior class hall at some point in this expansion and had the game disconnect you. And when you came back in, you fell and took damage uh, in the middle of Azuna for no reason you could understand. Um, that he was doing that is... to me on flight pass every once in a while. It stopped doing it's... that on flight pass. Well, this particular thing is is warrior specific. It's jumping down from the class order hall. They and that's supposedly... the only way you have to leave, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't get you can't get out of that place without jumping down. So oh, no. you're taking your chances. Uh, uh, I had this as recently as like two weeks ago. I jumped down from the uh, the class order hall to the broken shore, but it disconnected me. And when I came back, I fell and took a massive amount of damage on Azuna. But they've apparently finally I, this this bug has been in the game since Legion launched. This bug has been around. They've been trying to fix this game, this bug since last... When did the Legion launch? Last September? I want to say last September. Was it like the last day of August? I don't remember. Somewhere in I think there. It, was, it was either the last day of August or the first day of September. I forget now. But it's been the bug has been in the game that long. And they just finally supposedly hotfixed it. And it's out. And so far it hasn't happened. I haven't taken any strange falls. So the only way I'll know if the bug comes back is if I disconnect in the middle of jumping down. But it was such a big deal for me just because I've been having it happen to me throughout this expansion. And it's, I've still yet to understand why the, the supposed, as far as I can tell, the geographical center of the Broken, the broken Isles is a, a hill in Azuna. Yeah, because that's I where you I don't go. Know. That's where you end up. That's where it drops you, is this weird random hill in Azuna. That's I've been playing a warrior this expansion too, so I've had the exact same. Wait, yeah. why am I here? Yeah, uh, I, I know I was jumping to Dalaran. That's that's where I said I was going. I don't know why I disconnected. Like the Valkyr just threw me in the wrong direction. I guess. Yeah. Have you noticed ever since the fix went in that you sometimes you don't do the drop and comet land anymore? That like, wasn't that always like questionable whether you got the animation or not. I was getting it pretty much nonstop unless the disconnect. But now sometimes I just show up. Like, I'm just there. It's no like, no big rocket landing. It's just, hey, yeah, I'm here. Because sometimes the spell effect around you when you're jumping never showed up for me either. Oh, yeah, like the spell was... effect. The spell effect could take forever. Like, I, you could land, you could mount up, you could ride away, and then you could see it happen behind you as you were riding away from it. 
Yeah. That's how long that spell effect could take. So yeah, that hasn't been hot fixed, but at least the disconnecting should be. This was completely trivial, but it was important to me. So there you go. Um, finally, and this is one that I, I didn't even know about until we reported it the other day. Uh, they're putting out two Overwatch books. They they were found yes. basically at Amazon. Uh, and you want to talk about them? Because there's you know more. there's two books that are coming out. One of them is the Art of Overwatch, and it's like 360 pages of art, like art we've never seen before, and also concept art and things like that. I'm assuming like maybe even stills and and like 3D models and stuff from cinematics and stuff, but who knows? Um, and it also has behind the scenes commentary along with it. So big, huge art book, and you can get the book right now you could pre-order it in hardcover for 50 bucks or they have a collector's edition and the collector's edition comes in a clamshell box with a tracer slip cover and it also comes with three unique prints and that's a hundred but it comes with three unique prints and i'm assuming that these are suitable for framing and everything and it's already coming up with a way to sell somebody's kidneys <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying <laughs> Anyway, uh, the other book, this is the one that I find actually even more interesting. The other book that they're coming out with is all of the Overwatch comics that have been released over the past, well, to date, I imagine. I, I, I'm hoping it includes the latest one that just came out. But all of these Overwatch comics that have come out are being collected in a print edition. And it's going to have all of the comics. And apparently there's also going to be short stories by Robert Brooks and Matt Burns, which I didn't know about, but I guess that's a thing. Um, however, that one is a lot more affordable. The book is only 20 bucks, and it's a hardcover. A hardcover for 20 bucks is a pretty good deal. Wait, a hardcover? They put out a lot of comics. Yeah. That's they a did. lot to collect for 20 bucks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty sizable book. I mean, it's going to be a pretty sizable collection. Um, there's also an Overwatch coloring book available that has tw- 75 pieces of concept art, paintings, sketches. Um, it's kind of like a light version of the art book, but you could color it yourself, which is pretty cool. I don't think that there is a release date for the coloring book as of yet. I believe that both the Art of Overwatch and the Overwatch Comics Anthology, both of those editions come out in October. So it's going to be a while before they do hit the shelves. Yeah, um, what what was interesting to me is uh, we mentioned the whole Blizzard has their own publishing thing now or they're starting one, but this stuff is all being published by Dark Horse Comics. So they don't have their own thing going yet, or I don't know if they have some kind of partnership for their publishing stuff through Dark Horse. I don't know. But um, if you're planning to check out The Art of Overwatch, planning to buy it or just want to take a look, you should do it through blizzardwatch.com slash artofoverwatch, one word, and you'll see everything you need to see. All right, cool. Well, thank you, guys. Um, we're going to talk about you know emails now because we do that here on the show. If you have an email for the show, please send it to blizzardwatch, I mean, podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Um, put you know blizzardwatch or podcast in the subject line so we know it's for this show and not for like you know the lore show because you know we get email for that there too. And um, you know, try and keep them somewhat concise if you can. I mean, we we try to answer as many as we can. So don't worry too much about it, but it's it's helpful if you can you can make them bite sized chunks like a tweet. If you can make them tweet length, that's perfect. Um, but you know, do what you can, as Anne has to read them, and she's going to do so now. So Anne. Okay, uh, first email, and I'm laughing about this because we were literally just talking about this for however long. Oops. <laughs> okay, uh, first email is from Deegers, who says, "Hey guys, long time patron, first time writer coming in with a spicy question." 
There's a Broken Shore World quest where Cadgar tasks you with digging through mud for Kieran Tor coins he dropped on a demon-infested beach. He says the coins were a gift for someone, but stammers and changes the subject before revealing their name. After collecting all the coins, he mentions that he was struggling to find a replacement gift. I know this was probably just a one-off gag quest, but I want to hear your speculation on it. Who do you guys think is likely to be Dadgar's honey? Who do you want it to be? Thanks, Deegers. Probably Modera. Is that who you want it to be, or just who you think it is? Um, I don't want it to be anybody. I kind of want Cadgar to go away at this point, but I think it's Modera. Because they've been kind of flirty throughout the expansion. I, I honestly had not thought of Cadgar as the kind of person who has a girlfriend. Even during that quest, I haven't really thought about it. So, I, I, yeah, I got nothing. Um, you know, I've, there was a while I thought he and Cordana had something going on, but that that spectacularly didn't work out. So, then again, it's a demon-infested beach. Maybe he's trying to make things work. I don't know. So yeah, I'll go with Cordana just just for just for um, Warlords nostalgia. Is that the right word? Can you be nostalgic for Warlords? I don't know. But yeah, I'm going with with Cordana. It's there for Cordana, who is dead. So I don't know. I, I like Zaitam in the chat channel who says he's trying to bribe Jaina back. That's a good idea. Um, I mean, I'm going to guess that it's Modera because that's who they've been hinting at. But I always had this thing back in Warlords where I thought it would be really cute if Cadgar got together with um, Great Mother Gaia because that's Thrall's grandma. <laughs> Ew. And just the yeah. awkwardness involved in all of that. I don't, was Winter just Vale like two at that choice, was, right? Winter Vale at that year is just going to be terrifying. Why don't you call me son? That will never happen. <laughs> I just think it'd be funny if the two of them, you know, got together, and then and then and then Cadgar would be forced to have this really awkward conversation with Thrall. <laughs> isn't isn't Cadgar technically in his forties? Yes. Not actually in his seventies. I don't know. I don't know where he's at exactly. He doesn't look like he's in his seventies now. I mean, yeah, he would. He'd be like forty or fifty. I think fifty is probably a good age for him at this point because he would have been old enough to be a seasoned apprentice. He wasn't. He didn't go to cat when he went to medieval. He didn't go to medieval as a completely untrained rube. He was already like you know the Karen Tour had already trained him for years. He, He wasn't just. He didn't just show up. I don't know anything about magic. So I'm I'm thinking he was like late teens, early twenties. But Mod- yeah, Modera is also older, but not old. I like know. him, and they they had their flirty moments. So that's my assumption. Yeah, there was this whole like thing the, where. Do you want me to kiss it or something? Is that what she uh, says? Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, no, I don't Please like don't. you. You have no established history here. There are so many other people who would work better and be funny. Like like Great Mother Gaia. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I get. I just, I, I just want to see the conversation where he tries to gently explain to Thrall that, yeah, um, you know your grandmother, not your real grandmother, your grandmother from the alternate dimension. I'll just I say, totally like her. <laughs> as as an alliance player who has only played the last few expansions mostly as alliance, I know who Madeira is a whole lot better than Thrall's grandma. I don't know who the hell that woman is. I've never okay. met her. Well, so, yeah. Now we get to have this, well, weird has. Date, this weird dating game situation <laughs> where we've got Great Mother Gaia, Modera, and I'm going to say Cordana gets to be in charge. <laughs> They're all like behind I'm... the curtain. <laughs> he gets to ask the questions. <laughs> Bachelorette number one. I like terrible jokes. I'll burn you to death with the power of the fell. Okay, I'm definitely not picking you. <laughs> Bachelorette number two. Okay, so uh, thanks, Steegers, I think. 
<laughs> I'm still not 100% on that. Uh, our next question is from Norg, uh, excuse me, Nogarth, who says, Hey team, Nogarth, Dwarf Paladin here from Whisperwind US. I was wondering what you guys thought about portals at the end of old dungeons and raids. It would be nice to be able to port back to the beginning of the old raid I just soloed and go on to the next closest one instead of hearthing back. I've been running the Pandaria raids and going from Heart of Fear to Throne of Thunder can be slight of a slog when you finish each one. I know that having the handy portals to the shrines helps a lot, but those trips back out there seem like a lot sometimes. Thanks for taking the time to read and answer my question, and thanks for having such an amazing site and everything you guys do. I hope for the best for all of you, Nogarth. You know what? I'm just going to jump in here right off the bat and say that my favorite round of dungeons was always the ones that were out there in the lake in Zangarmarsh. Specifically because, you know, you had to swim underwater to get to them and everything, and that was kind of a pain. But when you went inside, they usually looped back on each other. There was that one dungeon where it looped back on itself, and when you finished the dungeon, you were right back where you started. Washington did that too, though. That wasn't just that. I remember yeah. specifically monotombs. When you do monotombs, it's you, get the, end of monotombs, you get to the it end of monotombs, yeah, it drops you, you down. And right. You, you, you get dig- to the end, and it loops you right back to the beginning again. And I loved that that kind of dungeon design where it was a big circle, and you didn't realize it was a circle until you were getting ready to leave. And it was like, oh, I mean, I'm back at the beginning. How convenient is this? Diremall did it even better because you finished one and there was a portal to the next one in the dungeon. Yeah, that one was pretty cool too. Well, original Diremall, it wasn't even It was all interconnected. Like, <laughs> yeah. You didn't even yeah. have to like leave it to go to the next part. Um, that's one of the things actually I actually missed about Strat. When they changed Strat, they sealed off the doorway between living and dead Strat. Oh, I loved yeah. that though. You used to be able to like, I used to love, you know, we'd, we'd go do dead Strat and then like if we had a good group, we'd be like, well, you want to go ke- clear out living? Live side, and we'd go do live side. You'd and you just didn't go even have gate. to leave the instance. You just went through the no. gate. Yeah. I, I, that's one of the things that when they, when they chop up dungeons, they've, they've lost that in a lot of cases. Uh, one that didn't lose it was Blackrock Depths, but Blackrock Depths is so annoying just for its sheer size that it doesn't feel like as cool as it did with Strat or with like Dire Mall. Yeah. I mean, Blackrock Black Depths is just a gigantic. I, I like Blackrock Depths, but recognize that when you're queuing up for it, it is not very clear what you're supposed to do in the particular section you've been placed in or where things are. Blackrock Depths was a dungeon that I liked when me and a bunch of friends were going and we knew we were going to be spending our afternoon in it. You know what I mean? Uh, Like, you're going to be here for two or three hours. Just, Just get used to it now make your plans and go in and do it. But when you're trying to queue for it in, in the Dungeon Finder, this is not a dungeon that translated to the Dungeon Finder well at all. Yeah, BRD yeah. didn't translate very well, and Maradon didn't really either. No, no, Maradon didn't. No. Maradon has kind of arbitrary endpoints, and you yeah. have to like check specifically which endpoint is relevant to you this time you've queued, because it's not obvious. Yeah. yeah. Those are, Maradon is another example of a dungeon where, on the one hand, you could just do it as much as you wanted to. You could you could like head to a specific boss and consider that kind of the end I for your when run. We went in there on the leveling stream. We just did the whole thing, didn't we? We kind of stumbled our way through the whole thing. We just meandered through the through the whole yeah. thing, the whole shebang. Yeah, yeah. We had really no idea what we were doing. Let's be completely frank. Uh, you know, we were like, "What did they change this? Is it the same? I don't even remember. How does this go?" Yeah, I remember when I was leveling an alt just on my own after they did, you know, made Martin cubable and 
there were a lot of groups where just out of like muscle memory or an assumption of what the end boss was, we would go up to go a certain way, kill it, kill that boss, and then be like, why didn't we get our loot bag? It's like, oh, it wanted us to kill this other one this time for some reason. Yeah, like Celebras isn't the end of one of the sections, which is just strange. Like the end of one section is that dude who stealths and shoots you with a bow. Yeah, the the sad the sadder guy. Same, yeah, yeah. And that's directly on the path towards getting to the like the last part of Maradon. Yeah, like, but so in my the, head, yeah. But that's an end point. Except when you get a different end point, you still vaguely go past that guy. So it's it's not clear what you're yeah. going to do. To get back to what he's asking, I I think that. I think Anne's point that just designing the dungeon so it takes you back is the most elegant solution, and in many cases, it's the best one. But I wouldn't mind a portal there that takes you just to the front door, just so you could zone back out. One dungeon, um, I was just running this one. You know High Mall? Yeah. You guys ever... Like, yeah. High Mall is enormous and extremely confusing to run. Like, it's... Well, where do I go now? But one of the things I like is that at certain points, you zone back, and the portal takes you right outside. Like you just go outside, you go through the portal and you go out of the dungeon. It doesn't take you to the front door. It just literally puts you back out at the entrance. I like that about High Mall. It's much easier to get out of High Mall at the end when you kill like the Emperor, Imperator. When you kill that guy, you 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 say to yourself, hmm, I wonder why Chogal doesn't do anything. Oh, this wasn't on Mythic. I guess that's why. And then you just go out the portal and you're done. And that's so I, I do think that the portal thing can work. I think it's certainly not a bad idea. Um, but I would like, I prefer, I, just, what, I like what the answer. looping. Yeah. I like the looping thing because it just, it feels really organic, I guess. A lot of the burning, a lot of the burning crusade dungeons feel like places. Yeah. And that's really a case like the ones you're talking about, like the, the Auchendoon ones, they, it feels the way it's set up. It's not like the thing you go through isn't intended to be, you can tell this was a part of a building that got blown off. And that's yeah. why this is here. And you drop down a floor. You dropped on a floor because this got sheared off when the place got destroyed. So yeah, a lot of these, a lot of the later dungeons were designed in such a way that you can get out more easily. Um, I'm trying yeah, to I mean, there's the argument that's like, does it really take that long to run back to the entrance? But at the same time, I don't really care. They can add those things if they want. Hard I see no problem with pretty, it. Pretty, pretty big dungeon. It takes a while to run back to the Heart end of, of any raid. Is pretty sizable. <laughs> Any five or six boss dungeon or raid, uh, you you're it'll surprise you how long it takes you to run from the beginning to the end. Like it'll take you three four minutes, and I know three four minutes isn't that much, but it's kind of a long time to be doing nothing but running. Yeah, you know. So I agree. I'm I'm okay with there being a way out. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Our next email is from Johannes Seaback of Silverhand, U.S who says, as a player, I've got two major passions, paladin lore and calderoi lore. You can understand then that Dallas Moonfang is one of my favorite followers in game. I was thinking with the sudden addition of the night elf paladin, or nelfadin, no. As an, <laughs> as an NPC class choice, is it an NPC class choice? It's not an NPC class choice, is it? Or well, it's an NPC class choice. It's not a player class choice. Right. No, it's yeah. not a player thing. But okay. it, there is an NPC who made that choice for yeah, her Yeah, Dallas Moonfang is a night elf paladin for people who are not aware who this person is. Anyway, uh, with the sudden addition of the night elf paladin as an NPC class choice, that the whole concept really isn't all that far-fetched. Taronda Priestess routinely uses ranged and melee weapons, just like her crew in the Sisterhood of Valoon. This really isn't far off from the basic origins of paladins, who are basically warriors taught to cast, and priests thrown in plate and given a big object to swing around. What I'm saying 
saying here is, we've been given Blood Knights, Vindicators, and Sunwalkers to march alongside us, members of the Silver Hand. Okay, I'm skipping forward here to the question. Do you think when Night Elf Paladins are added, they're going to be members of the Sisterhood or a whole new startup group much like the Sunwalkers? And I'm not going into all of these parenthetical asides because this email is really long. So what do you guys think? First off, do you think they're going to add Night Elf Paladins? And if they add Night Elf Paladins to the game, are they going to be part of the Sisterhood of Elune, or are they going to be their own new order? Do you want to go out first, Alex, or am I? Yeah, I think they could add them. I think they should add them. And I see see no reason why they can't be part of the Sisterhood of Elune or whatever. I mean, I I ranted about this on Twitter recently, but... um, Tyrande is a priestess in World of Warcraft, but she's not the priest class of World of Warcraft, right? Like, she doesn't... She, her, the holy shadow discipline thing, is not about that. The, she's kind of her own different, thing. She's a priestess of the moon. It's a Warcraft 3 thing. She's still that thing. She's not a World of Warcraft priest. Um, so I don't... So, and she... The Sisters of the Moon, like, I think in the books they describe, doesn't she wear chainmail and stuff in battle? I believe so. So... Uh, she's like a huntress right so she can wear like leather and chain mail and be awesome and be a priestess who has a a bow I can't see why there can't be one that puts on plate armor it's the same organization yeah I'm just going to point out there's also the champion that they added for the paladins uh, Neris Moonfang who's like an ancestor to Delos and he's like a ghost who is a paladin so he's a ghost paladin he is a night elf ghost paladin um, at this point, so, I, I feel like yeah. night elves could have paladins. Was, was he a night elf when he, or was he a paladin when he was alive, or was this just something he picked up while he was dead? His thing's whole complicated. I haven't gotten to this yet as my on my paladin. I'm just reading about it, but it's a whole complicated thing where the legion showed up and he was terrified, so he made a deal with the demons because he didn't know what else to do, and now he's trying to redeem himself, and that's the he he pledges himself to the Knights of the Silver Hand to begin to atone for his actions. And Dallas After is like, he's you know, dead? Yes, as a ghost. Okay. And so, yeah, the High Lord, you know, the High Lord goes and it's all a thing. But Dallas Moonfang is even involved in this. She's like, she's helping redeem him. Like, I, I guess he's, the whole thing is, my point is just, at this point, Paladins, Night Elves have a, a established, you know, we, we like, we'll take Night Elves. Boom, there's two of them in the Silver Hand now. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to put the revelation of Dallas Moonfang into perspective she put on armor the end anybody can do that why can't there be night elf paladins there's no reason there can't be because it's just a priest who put on some freaking armor is that a revelation literally she was a priest now it it, you could very well just have them establish their own order um much the same way the blood knights or the the sun walkers did i wouldn't have a problem with that but that order would still be just as much tied up to the priesthood of a loon as the silver hand is tied up to the, the church of the Holy light. Do you know what I mean? Like warrior, like paladins still, you know, the human paladins still revere the light much the same way that human priests do. Uh, a, a night off paladin is still going to revere a loon the same way that the priestesses do. Yeah. It's, and it's, it, it doesn't matter if they're actually in the sisterhood of a loon or if they're their own order, they're yeah. still basically going to be looking to a loon. That's going to be their thing. Cause they're night elves. I can you know, see and, them as just like another division of the sisterhood. I mean, yeah, you have. If like... you want to use use an example for another game, uh, in, in in Dragon Age Inquisition, the Inquisition basically becomes an arm of the, of the Chantry that guards the Chantry. You could have these like you know silver knights guarding the sisterhood. 
it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, it's just, you know, members of the sisterhood who decided to throw some plate on. There you go. Like, I'm not that great with a bow, but I like hitting things, so I I did the plate hitting things. I let her do the kind of wearing chain. I'm not so good at the shooty, but I really like smacking things around with that yeah. metal thing. Sword? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> I mean, and as far as whether or not they sh- they will, I have no idea. I've n- I'm n- I've never made money guessing what Blizzard's going to do. Um, but in terms of you know, should they? Yeah, why not? It for feels that matter, likely. It feels like a likely thing that they would add it. For that matter, I mean, I I could see more horde races getting paladins. For that matter, some of them a real hard sell for me. Like I have a real hard time with goblin paladins because there's a level of selflessness there that I just. I mean, the goblins are constantly going to be, what's in it for me? And the answer is nothing. Well, they have priests. Uh, yeah, who... but priests don't do the same. The paladins have a much more, you know, I'm going to go out there and protect and possibly die in service to, like, you know, my, my ethos. If, if the pre- goblin priests can, um, this is not a political statement. If they can have for-profit health care among goblin priests, they can probably have for-profit paladins. Eh. Uh, it's a hard sell for me, but I'm not saying it's not possible. But undead paladins, I got no problem with at this point. Why not? I'm I died. That doesn't mean I gave up the light. I mean, we've got an undead paladin running around like uh, um, Nax right now. He's he's still being a paladin, still calling it light. Yeah, we're making Anne angry again with our uh, no. Let's have fun with classes perspective. I think we're interrupting no. her. No, <laughs> none of these things. It was just one of those. <sighs> Somebody's going to bring up Blood Elf Druids again, and it's going to be stupid, isn't it? <laughs> do it. I wasn't that's fine. Up Blood Elf <laughs> no, do not. Anyway, all right. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, Johannes. Uh, next email is from Suggle Kitten, who says, Hi, y'all. I've been kind of off this expansion, and I finally figured out why. It's all the catch up mechanics. I realize what's the point in trying to get all the AP points or gear when I just have to wait until the next patch and they will give me everything easy. What's your thoughts on this? Suggle so getting. You, you think they're giving us AP points easily? Oh, uh, yeah, they are not. <laughs> I, I, I think you might seriously have a strange and skewed definition of easy. I'm going to be honest. I've felt this. AP points? Yeah. Okay, man. I, I'm I haven't... still grinding away on that freaking weapon because the next patch is going to come around like i'm not raiding so i don't need to be on the bleeding edge have you know as many points as everybody else in my raid so i don't feel like playing that much i'm like okay i don't need to keep up an ap because the next patch when they add inevitably add more junk they're going to increase artifact knowledge and then my first piece of ap my first ap item i get after that patch it's going to give me every single freaking point i miss right away i don't care because it scales so ridiculously now. Like, what? An AP item is 13.5 billion AP? That's every point I need. No, it's like 3 million at the highest. Although there's there's a 20 million AP one you get for killing Gul'dan. And my artifact knowledge isn't all that, like, isn't super maxed There's also yet, missions so. that you get if there's a particular part of the Broken Shore. Like, one of those buildings will give you missions that you can send your followers on that'll get you one that's like 20-something? 12 to 20-something? Yeah. I don't know. Like for, a ridiculous well, amount of AP. For example, on an alt now, you can take an alt straight to, like, artifact knowledge 20 or 25 or something now? 25, as long as you've got it on your main. So, yeah, I've got it on my main. So my alt, if I just wait until it has Artifact Knowledge 25, I use one good AP item. I have most of the traits of my artifact in one item. Yeah, it doesn't bother me, though. It's I, 
that doesn't make me not want to play the game, or if anything, it makes it easier for me to deal with my alts when I feel like playing them. Yeah, I don't mind but, it because I, f- I feel no obligation to play when I'm not don't feel like playing. So that's the thing is like in terms of my main, I think the catch-up stuff's great because like my main is now pretty close to 900 like item level. I don't have tier sets. I mean, so I don't get like tier bonuses, but I've I'm still in I'm in an okay place if I want to do some pickup rating. Or what have you, like, or if we start, if my if the guild I'm casual in starts raiding again, I'm in a good place to do it, like when Tomb comes out, and I'm fine with that, because Tomb is gonna like just blow the doors off of the gearing again. Like by the time the the you know LFR Tomb gear is like item level 885, so it's bet it's defaults to slightly better than the stuff you get, you know, for like turning in Nether shards. Like the LFR gear is 885, the Nether shard stuff is 880. Um, my problem isn't so much that the catcher mechanism mechanisms exist is that they make dungeons pretty much obsolete. Like they increased dungeon levels with seven two, right? I'm, I'm positive they did. They made yes. heroic gear like eight forty five epics, and they made uh, mythic stuff like eight sixty. Something like that, yeah. But why would I bother when I can get an eight eighty piece that can also titan forge up to even higher by just turning in nether shards, and it's a guaranteed piece? Like I'm gonna get a piece of gear. I don't have to hope a piece drops. I don't have to roll coins to get a piece. I know I'm going to get it. You know what I'm saying? That to me is kind of like ties into why right now I'm working on knocking out achievements. It's because I don't really feel like I have much else to do at this point. Because again, you know, there's the whole, the the AP thing. I, I have like, I think four or five more levels to get before I max out all the new things on my weapons. What's the max level right now? 50? I, I don't know. 54? Like that. I have no idea. All I know is it takes like an obscene amount of AP, but I'm not even really like grinding the AP. It's just, oh, there's an invasion up. I'll go do that. Or, oh, I have an emissary today. I'll go do that. And invariably when I do that, I end up with a bunch of AP and I put that towards the weapon. And if that means I get another, you know, I can put another point in it, great. If not, okay, well, I'll just come back tomorrow and try again. No big deal. But it also means that there isn't really, like, major motivation for me to be playing right now. But that's fine. See, I, mean, I, wanted... I don't mind when the game does that every now and again. Yeah. See, for me, I wanted to keep my my other specs up. Mm-hmm. And that's been impossible. See, I haven't messed with my other specs at all. So Yeah, I want to be able to tank. If, if if necessary. So I have to have a DPS spec and a tank spec. But I have not even touched my tanking weapon. I haven't done the the thing to unlock the, the tanking artifact beyond a certain point. I haven't, you know, none of it. Because the, the AP just to get my main weapon up is so massive. Yeah, even well, with, you know, even with the artifact knowledge scaling and all that. It's yeah, just a just lot. Keep in mind that I play a rogue, so really there's yeah. no reason to have those other two unlocked unless I feel like playing them for whatever reason. But I don't. No, just... I mean, assassination's working for me, so I'm just going to stick with it because why not? It's working. I'm having fun with it. I'm still having fun with the class. And I'm having fun, you know, running around doing all these achievements and things that I haven't done yet. It's just that's kind of my only motivation to play right now. Um, it's a quiet kind of motivation, and it's one that I don't mind, because I do like it when we get that lull every now and again, as long as it doesn't last for the next 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> we know that next month is going to be Tumas Argaris. So. Yeah, we're going to have the raid out, and then there's going to be more stuff to do, do again, and the class quests are going to unlock, and that'll be more stuff to do all over again. I still have alts that I'm playing. It's It's not like there's not stuff to do. It's just, in terms of endgame stuff, there's not quite as much to keep me motivated right now 
And maybe that's different if you're doing raiding or if you're doing like serious PvP or something like that, but I'm doing neither of those things. I'm kind of playing it kind of casual this expansion, so I don't know. Okay, uh, last question is from Zorathos from Zoljin who says, My question for you is, do demon hunters really have a faction they support because of their race? I don't think Illidan has a faction choice himself, so why can't we just pick what elf we want to be and then choose what faction we want to be? Thank you for all you do. I love the show. Um, Zorathos, I'm going to answer this really quick and then I'm going to turn it over to the other two, but it's not about what race your demon hunter wants to be. It's about what race the Horde and Alliance will accept into it. <laughs> I think is where that distinction lies. Because they aren't going to... Yeah. The Horde is not going to take a Night Elf. And they don't care if it's a Demon Hunter or not. They're not going to take a Night Elf. Um, vice versa with the Blood Elves and the Alliance. There was a lot of bad blood in Pandaria. They aren't real keen on the Blood Elves anymore. Um, but yeah, Rossi, go ahead. Were. No, I, I I agree. You basically have said what I was thinking. It's it's not a question of your night elf could head to Orgrimmar for some reason, but even plus keep in mind even ten you know when the last time you were out was BC like the middle like you went to Outland and you trained with Illidan and all that stuff. You probably became a demon hunter because of the the third war, and the last time you saw the orcs, it was kind of a tentative piece after they killed Cenarius and helped the demons blow up a lot of your forests and it's complicated and I don't think you'd be particularly keen on them even if you didn't really care much one way or the other to you the demons are more important it's more along the lines of you show up at the front door and they'd probably like shoot you you know it's that they, they don't like night elves and blood elves showing up in Stormwind pretty much the same thing it's just like yeah I, I don't I don't see it I mean for gameplay purposes, Night Elves are Alliance, Simple Elves are Horde. That's just how it is. Yeah, pretty much. It's not, in, you know... In many of these cases, gameplay is a consideration before story. Uh, whether you think that's a good thing or not, that's up to you. Alex but wrote an article about this, you know, the way. I did, which I'm not promoting here. But okay, if you want to but... see it, it's on my Twitter. Um, gameplay comes first. And in gameplay, Night Elves are Alliance, Blood Elves are Horde. They weren't going to break it just because you wanted a Demon Hunter on the other faction. Yeah, and... And in this case, the story supports that gameplay decision anyway. So... Didn't... I don't know what what it was like for the Horde, but the Alliance barely let Demon Hunters in at all. Like, they had got yeah. to have a little hut on the very outer edge of the city temporarily they, they're like they're stuck in the place where we kind of all know the warlocks hang out but don't admit it like they kind of like okay we know there's that bar warlocks like let's stick them over there they can be out in the like the alley near there it's got a view of the harbor so yeah i'm sure they'll be fine just that's general. a dark and shady corner of the city so we'll just put them there and they can be dark and shady there or maybe the things that are dark and shady will take them out for us after all we'll, of this we'll, is done we'll put them <laughs> where we hide our shame please go to the shame district <laughs> you know horde have like the whole top of orgrimmar where you fall off and die if you try to get down when you're a low level character yes and nobody actually ever goes up there unless they have a flying mount that's where they put their demon hunters they put them up there like you know between the towers of that people like get on blimps on it's it's totally like just shove them over there like you know we're just going to uh, yeah, put they you can, up they there where up we there. don't have to think about you. <laughs> yeah, so, I was going to say, if they decided they didn't like them, they could just push them off. But demon hunters can glide. So yeah. yeah. So bad. I just, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with the idea of Stormwind's shame district now. <laughs> <laughs> I still, the only reason I thought of that is because when you, when you kill Anixia now, 
like when you kill the wrath version of her they put in yeah you take you take her head to the to the warlock bar and give it to one of the warlocks who's like where did you how did you <laughs> you take it to the warlocks yes Why? Wait, but you used to turn I... it into marcus jonathan yeah, I, I assumed that they had some other equivalent of him no, you take it to the warlock district. You you basically take it down to the basement of that warlock bar, and inside the the class, you know where the warlock trainers are. Yeah. There's a guy. One of the warlock trainers essentially takes the head from you. He's like, "What? Why? What did you? Where did you get this? How did you get this? Never mind. Here's a trinket." Like seriously, that <laughs> thanks for out. handing it over. He's like, "But she's what we? But huh? Okay." Do they even hang the head at the entrance anymore? No. So you just go turn it in to some shady little like warlock who gives you. You an go. You go to the shame trip. district. You take the dragon's this dragon's head that is gigantic by any stretch of the imagination because they used to hang it from the front gates and it was huge. You drag this thing to the shame district, stuff it through the front door of what looks like a restaurant, and drag it to the basement and give it to a guy. Look, yep, we're we're warlocks. We're trustworthy. We're definitely not going to do anything weird with this head of an incredibly <laughs> powerful dragon. It's That's fine. already dead. <laughs> not only is that dragon already dead, that dragon is already dead. Has already had its head taken to Blackrock Mountain and put back on its body and reanimated and then killed again. So, do you think that that's how so Nefarian got it warlocks. back? No, so literally, that he could bring her back in Cataclysm. Like he went, he like got in disguise and went to the Shame District and like retrieved that his sister's head and took it back to Black. No, it's it's that warlocks are the last group of people that can squeeze any usefulness out of it everybody else had their turn turned her into a weird <laughs> zombie dragon okay well she's been zombified now what let's see what the warlocks can do <laughs> they're creative they'll find a use for it all they did was make a chair out of it okay well on that note that wraps up the emails and that also wraps up the show blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience thank you Anne. uh again if you have an email for the show send it to a podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzard watch in the subject line so we know it's for the show we try to answer as many as we can so that would be appreciated thank you guys very much for listening this has been the blizzard watch podcast we'll be here next week <laughs>